All right, you guys, we are rolling into another episode of Return, and today is Theology Thursday, and we are going to be looking today at Ephesians 1, verse 18, talking about Jesus's inheritance in the saints. So let's jump right in. today and so we're gonna just jump right into the content Uh, like I mentioned I want us to look at Ephesians 1 specifically verse 18 but we're gonna kind of be jumping around to different uh, parts of scripture today so uh, if you have your Bible you can follow along if you're listening to this then that's great just do what you're doing if you're driving just keep paying attention to the road (laughs) All right, but um, starting with Ephesians 1, verse 18, uh, that's actually a verse that's right in the middle of, I would say, one of the most popular uh, apostolic prayers. Uh, and in case you don't know what an apostolic prayer is, really simple. They're prayers that are recorded in Scripture that were prayed by an apostle. So it could be Paul, Peter, Jesus. But those apostolic prayers are put in scripture because they really give us a picture of what is on God's heart for the church. And I think a lot of the times if you want to know what a mature church, what a mature bride will look like, well then just go through the apostolic prayers and you'll see what is on God's heart for a a mature church, what we will be walking in as we grow deeper in our love for God and for one another. And so um, these prayers are recorded and they're really for our benefit because we know that God's word will not return to him void. And we know that these things really will happen uh, in the church and to us. And so that's a small little snippet on apostolic prayers, but there's this uh, prayer in Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, and um, I love it because Paul uses this terminology that I just think goes so well with, I mean, myriads in, in of requests in life, and that is, is he's praying that the Holy Spirit would give us, give the church wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, and I love that because wisdom is we're asking God for wisdom, for the ability to perceive and and to understand. And then we're asking for revelation, which is the ability to see. We want wisdom to understand the things of God. And we want revelation even for our spirits to be able to see the things of God. But this, that those lines are specifically followed by a, a specific request of Paul. And he's praying that the Lord would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that we would know what are the riches of the glory of Jesus's inheritance in the saints. And this is what I want to unfold in our episode today. And so I'm going to just take some time to kind of unpack that. But I want to first say that do you, like, I mean, for one, I don't know if we really think that much about Jesus's inheritance and the fact that Jesus does have an inheritance. You know, there's verses throughout the Bible that talk about Jesus's inheritance, like Psalm 2, 
ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Um, I mean, obviously this verse and, and there's a common um, saying where uh, I, this was started by the Moravians, but the saying goes that the lamb would receive the reward of his suffering. And so we do know that Jesus has an inheritance, but I want to kind of just break down the details of that. Um, and so Paul, again, is, is praying that we would have spiritual insight to be able to understand what is the riches of the glory of Jesus's inheritance in the saints. And this isn't a small thing because I want to just say that what kind of inheritance does the God who has everything get? You know, what, how can you give something to someone who already has everything? I mean, you all know when Christmas time rolls around and you get stuck with buying a present for the hardest person to buy because if they have something that they want, most of the time they just go ahead and get it themselves. You know, it's like you really have to think of what can I get this person that they don't already have. And in a similar but totally different way, it's like what can we give to God that he does not already have? And and why is it even that Jesus has an inheritance? If everything belongs to him, what is he inheriting? And many of you, you know, that the answer to that question would be obvious, but that's what I want to look at for the next few minutes. And to look at it, I want us to jump to Revelation 5, because there's a scene taking place in heaven in Revelation 5 that I think just gives us such a clear picture of, of Jesus and, and his worthiness and the inheritance that he has purchased. And so just really briefly, what's happening in Revelation 5 is, well, right before in Revelation 4, we know that the Apostle John is caught up in the spirit and he's seeing, you know, the the majesty of the throne room. He's seeing thunder and lightning and this sea of glass mingled with fire. And he's seeing these four living creatures that have eyes everywhere within them, without, because they're gazing on the beauty and the majesty of God. And the beauty and the majesty of God is seen in the one who's seated on the throne. And he's wrapped in light, light that is so much brighter than the sun and, and so powerful. And God is wrapped in light, um, both as, I mean, in the, I think in the last episode, we talked about how God dwells in the fullness of light that he possesses, which just means like the power is on all the way at all times. God dwells in the fullness of light because he is light. In him is no darkness. But also I, he clothes himself in light as a means of even just saying that there's nothing Nothing can approach him because of how holy and how beautiful and how transcendent it, he is. He actually wraps himself in light almost as a protective measure to other people <laughs> and, and other things. And I mean, the big question throughout all of history is who can approach God, especially, I mean, we know because of the fall, that's, that's the question of the universe is now there is a division between God and man. God created the earth to dwell with man, but because of sin, 
there is a divide and God cannot dwell in, in uh, unholiness and in sinfulness because, because of who he is. Because God is so holy, the unholy things would die essentially, you know? And so anyways, there is this, this, the one, the ancient of days, he's seated on the throne. And, um, what happens is in revelation five, we see that the father, the one seated on the throne, he has this scroll in his hand. And this scroll is the title deed to the earth. Whoever has this scroll is essentially the owner of all of the real estate of the earth you know, all of the wealth of the earth belongs to them. But also this title deed really is uh, the symbol of who is worthy and capable of leading the earth, you know, as, as a, a king or as a ruler that has the wisdom, that has the insight, that has the ability to govern all of the facets of, of what it takes to lead the, the whole earth. And so this scene begins to play out in Revelation 5 where this strong angel cries out, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? You know, is there anyone that's worthy enough to lead the nations? And the big thing here is, is there anyone who's even able to not only get into the throne room of God, but to approach the Ancient of Days and to take the title deed of the earth? And this search begins to happen and... I mean, what, ha- what happens essentially is that no one is found. They can't find anyone worthy in heaven, on the earth, under the earth to approach the father and to take the title deed of the earth. And uh, John actually begins to weep. And it's easy to really skip through these verses uh, quickly and not f- think or focus on just the drama of that moment and the fact that John was feeling this sense of hopelessness. John was feeling this sense of like, we are separated from God for forever. And, you know, you think like, John, did you have short-term memory loss or something? Like, don't you remember that you were with Jesus and one of his closest disciples and you saw him die and be resurrected and also ascend? Like you should be thinking about Jesus, you know? But I don't, I don't know what was going on in John's, mind in that moment other than the fact that this was very real that there was they weren't able to find anyone and so john is weeping uncontrollably in this moment and an elder actually comes and approaches john to comfort him and and to to comfort him from his weeping and so he tells john don't weep look behold The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And, you know, in that moment, I imagine John, he's beginning to wipe his eyes and he's turning his head to see who who this this victor is, who is the person that's worthy. And he's thinking he's going to turn around and see a lion. But what happens is he turns his head and he sees a lamb. He sees the humble, bleeding lamb who is slain. You know, it adds that description of Jesus so clearly. I looked and, and, and behold a lamb as though it had been slain. And it says that the lamb 
approached the throne and he didn't ask the father for the scroll. It says that he approached the throne and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And this is what I want us to see that when Jesus, the lamb that was slain, takes that scroll, all of heaven bursts into a song. And this is what they sing. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Guys, there's so much happening here and it's taking self-restraint for me to try to focus on what I really, the main point of what I want to talk about here. But Jesus is worthy to take the title deed of the earth. Jesus is worthy to lead the earth as king. And Jesus is worthy of his inheritance because he is the slain lamb. He purchased, he bought something with his own blood. You know, God opened his veins and with his blood, he paid the price to redeem a people from every tribe, from every tongue, from every people group, and from every nation. And so Jesus's inheritance is people. Jesus's inheritance is people from every location of the earth. And again, there's so much that could be said about that, but I'm, I'm going to just leave it at that for now. But not only is Jesus's inheritance people, Jesus's inheritance is that not only has he redeemed us and reconciled us to God, making a way, giving us access to the throne room, giving us access to the Father, putting the Holy Spirit inside of us that we know, according to Romans 8, enables us to cry out, Abba, Father. Not only is, does he do all of that by purchasing, purchasing us with his blood, but verse 10 in, in Revelation 5, he has also made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth with him. So Jesus has elevated us, not only to the position of being right with God, but he has elevated us to a partnership with him. And so for Jesus to have his inheritance in the saints means that Jesus is doing things in our lives that he's purchased us, he saved us, he's bringing us through this process of sanctification right now. You know, it's this whole thing of we were saved when we received him as our Lord and Savior. We're in this process right now of sanctification, of having our character in our lives look like him and be formed into his image. And there is a day where we will be fully saved, which is we will receive the, the redemption of our bodies. We will receive resurrection. We will actually awake to look like him. But Jesus's inheritance in us means that the things that he purchased and paid for, we would actually take them now we would apply them to our lives now. We would go through this process of sanctification so that on the day that he returns and splits the sky, 
we would be an equally yoked partner for him. Jesus's inheritance in us is the fact that he has brought us, elevated us to this position of being kings and priests with him. And then we actually get to reign with him and we get to minister to God with him. And for some of you, maybe this is a totally new idea and concept. And that's why I want to say, again, this is Ephesians 1, 18 and, and, and 17. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation in order to understand these things. We need the Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts to understand that God has purchased us. He has redeemed us and our destiny If we continue on in the faith, our destiny is to rule and reign with him for eternity. And not only that, we see a picture in Revelation 19, 7, that when Jesus returns, the church is a bride that is made ready. She is a bride. And the thing about the church being a bride is that should be the greatest injustice in all of the earth, that we would even be considered to be an equally yoked partner for God. I think we talked about this in a previous episode that it's like that is a great injustice that we would be considered of even, you know, even being worthy to be counted, you know, with him. And yet again, he's elevated us to that position of bride, of partnership, of, of someone that is worthy of him. And I'm saying all of that to say that Jesus has an inheritance in us and, and that is us walking those things out, us walking out the, the things that he's paid for with his blood, being the slain, the slain lamb, that is actually part of him receiving his inheritance. And I want to conclude with this. There's so much more that I want to say on this, but um, I want to conclude with this. Psalm 32, David is talking in this psalm about, you know, the blessedness of of having your sins forgiven and having your, your transgressions covered. And again, you can go read this psalm on your own later. But he starts out by saying, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And I just want us to say that part of the way that we give Jesus his inheritance in us today is by taking the things that he has purchased, that he paid a costly price for. He went to the cross, he spilled his own blood And the things that he has paid for with his blood, we can give him his inheritance. We can give him the things that he has purchased by applying them and walking them out in our lives today. And I want to say this, that yes, we, in the future, we will be uh, the bride ready. In the future, we will rule and reign with him on the earth. But it all comes down to how we are walking out uh, the things in our lives today. And actually in the beginning of Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 verse 3, 
Paul starts out by saying, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Meaning that every bit of God's mercy, every bit of God's grace, every ability that we need to overcome sin, that we need to overcome in the flesh, everything that we have need of to reach our future destiny, to be that bride that is ready, to be kings and priests, everything that we need to get from where we are now to that day, we have in our spirits because of what Jesus has paid for. In Psalm 32, blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. David goes on to say, uh, when I hid my sin, I was groaning because I was trying to hide myself in my shame from God. But then he said, when I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity anymore, I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave my sin. What I'm, what I'm wanting to conclude in all of this is that when we run to God instead of away from him, when we mess up today, when we turn to him, when we, like we've been talking about in Song of Solomon, when we pursue the kisses of his word, when we acknowledge the fact that yes, I am dark, I am sinful, I am broken, and yet I am lovely, we are applying the finished work of the cross to our lives today. And we are giving Jesus his inheritance in us today. And it might seem small. It might be little measurements and and little increments that we're doing it in. And yet this is the process of sanctification that we're in. This is part of the picking up of our cross and following Christ today is by applying the spiritual blessings that he paid a high and costly price to give us. And that's the thing. Again, it is a gift. There is nothing that we could do to earn it. There's nothing that we could do uh, on our own to try to reconcile ourselves to God, to try to elevate us to the position of being a worthy bride for him, of trying to you know, be worthy of ruling and reigning with him. There's literally nothing that we could do to earn our own position to get there. In fact, every effort that we try to get us there ends up just condemning us even more. Like we, we have no ability to, we cannot approach God apart from God giving us his very righteousness. And so my whole point in this episode, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would use my weak words to even just touch your spirit with this is we want to apply the finished work of the cross to our lives today. We want to run to God instead of away from him. We want to give Jesus the things that he has paid for, that the lamb would receive the reward of his suffering in us. And we do that by aligning our lives and agreeing with the truth. We, we agree with what God says about us. We agree with who we will be, you know, in eternity, who we will be a thousand years from now, who we will be 
on the day that Jesus splits the sky and we received our resurrected bodies, he's looking at us from that perspective. And therefore, when we line our lives up with that process of sanctification that we are all in right now, you know, and it, it really does boil down to the little things of, I am going to forgive. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me, you know, overcome the anger that I'm feeling right now, to overcome the frustration, to get rid of the offense, you know, that I have from being hurt by someone in the church, to uproot the bitterness that I have for not getting the position, for, you know, not getting the money I was promised. It all boils down to walking out a kingdom lifestyle, but I'm saying to you today that because Jesus paid for those things, we have access to them today and it is worth it. It is worth it because at the end of the day, we will be like him. We will look like him. We will be called the bride that is ready and prepared and we want Jesus to have his inheritance in us. And so in closing, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open up our eyes to see that you would enlighten us, the eyes of our understanding, that you would enlighten us. I ask for wisdom, the ability to understand these things, and revelation, the ability for us to see it.